Hello and welcome to Dive Collective's podcast, where we highlight the gifts and talents of our community of believers. Here at Dive Collective, we believe that to fully live, we need to be using and sharing our God-given gifts and talents with the world. We will always be encouraging our members within the collective to be living fully alive in this way. So here, in this space, we celebrate God by sharing the stories of those who are living out their callings and experiencing Him in both the mundane and the miraculous. Come and see. So today we have Tracy Daly with us. She's the founder of Emma's Footprints in Western Pennsylvania. We're going to hear a little bit about how God can meet us in the midst of suffering, how he can use us despite our weaknesses. So welcome, Tracy, and thanks for coming on and being our first podcast guest. Why don't you start by telling us a little bit about Emma's Footprints, what you do and who you serve? I would love to. So Emma's Footprints, we help families that have experienced a pregnancy or infant loss. Mm-hmm. And when I say pregnancy loss, um, I mean anything from a miscarriage to a stillbirth. And when I say infant loss, it's anything up to the baby is uh, up to 12 months old. Our mission is to provide financial assistance, um, compassionate guidance, and emotional support to those families. So paying for the burial cremation, um, counseling, headstones, and care packages for those families. That's a very concise elevator speech. Yeah, nice. <laughs> I just gave that as a gala, so it's in my head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's really good. It's really good. So how did That's it all the start? The messy part of it. <laughs> yeah. You put well, something very uh, complicated and awful into four very great sentences. <laughs> right. Thank you. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot more to it, a lot more mess and, and tears, but that's, yeah. The, the yeah, so how do you do um, that? How does that actually work? If somebody knew somebody who had a miscarriage, what, yeah, what that do was they my do? Question too. You can you can head to our website, um, emmasoprince.com, our Facebook page. So what's also kind of complicated about our mission is that it does not matter when your loss happens. You know, I mean, if your loss was 10 years ago, obviously we can't pay for the burial or cremation, but we can pay for counseling sessions. We can pay, um, we can pay for headstones. We've paid, you know, families that have lost their babies um, 20 plus years ago that could never afford a headstone. We've provided that for that family or a care package. So three of the four main expenses we are still able to cover. And that's hard to communicate to people because I've had moms come up and say, oh my gosh, I wish you were around when I had my loss. And I'm like, we're, we're, we're right now. here. Yeah. <laughs> we're right here. Um, that does not mean you are null and void joining this community. You know, they can come to support group once a month. And, and like I said, we can we can offer those, those three main financial expenses to them. So every situation is different. You know, we do get the calls that the family has, they're currently in the hospital that have just found out their baby has no heartbeat. And then obviously we can walk beside them with the financial aspects of the funeral, you know, the burial cremation. Mm-hmm. Um, so calls from the family in the hospital, calls from the social workers in the hospital, messages on our Facebook page, emails, other phone calls from I mean, anybody. It seems very complicated, but I mean, Erin, as you know, grief is a never-ending thing. Mm-hmm. Monica, I don't know your, your story, but <laughs> it doesn't matter how long it's been. Bereaved moms want that community, need that community and that validation. So we are, we're here to provide that for them. So you are saying sometimes you get calls from the families in the hospital or the social workers. Does it have to be, like if Erin or I knew someone that had a loss, could we 
have you pursued them or do they have to, does it have to be the family that comes directly to you or can other people do it on their behalf? Friends of um, the family that's a great question. social workers. So we, we do get that. And our policy, kind of what we figured out is we would love a family to reach out to us just because, you know, um, I, I was that mom in that hospital bed. If a stranger is calling, I mean, we're strangers to these families right. in the beginning. Yeah. You know, first of all, if a stranger is calling you, they're not going to answer their phone because they're in a fog, you know, so we, we want to put it in their hands. We also don't want to force ourselves on families. Mm-hmm. If they, if they don't, if they don't want our help um, or some families think, oh, well, I don't need financial help with the, with the funeral. So I'm not going to reach out. We're like, okay, well, we hear that, but you're going to need emotional support. So we do get messages. Hey, I think we had one this week. Hey, you know, my, my friend had a loss. Can you reach out to her? Here's her number. And so if we get that, we say, can you ask the mom if we can call? Okay. Yeah. So it's not just yeah. a random blind phone call that they're not prepared for. Right. Right. I wouldn't sense. have wanted that. Exactly. So yeah. we don't yeah. want to, we know how that feels. Yeah. Technology is great because we can avoid the phone call and we could, mm-hmm. we could text the mom and say, Hey, you know, my director of agreement, her name is Amanda Burke. You know, she can say, Hey, this is Amanda with Emma's Footprints. So-and-so reached out to me on your behalf. We're here and, and yeah. kind of start that conversation in, in a non-threatening way. Yeah. yeah. What about the care packages? Does that fall under the same thing? Like, could you have, could I say, Hey, I want you guys to send my friend a care package and then they could go from there if they wanted to reach out to you for help. Or is that part of all of it? Um, yeah, that's, that's a great way too. you could say that all we would need is the, you know, the, the mom and dad's name address, um, okay. the baby's initial, if they name the baby, if it's a miscarriage, we send a footprint necklace and we will mail that to them. So then, okay. yeah, the ball's kind of in their court yeah. and it doesn't, I mean, you could say, Hey, I have a friend eight years ago that had a loss. I think would really love that. And we'd say, great, get us the info. And we'll mail it right out. It seems like that's really what people who are wanting to help somebody or who knows somebody are really wanting to do. They're just wanting to say, hey, I know that what you're going through is really, really hard. I don't necessarily know what to say, but there's a group of people who have already put together a package that they know or think would be something that would bless you. And so, you know, here it is. Sometimes that's just the nicest, one of the nicest things I think that Emma's Footprints offers is that ability for somebody to reach out and give them something because I can't tell you how many people have called me and asked me, Hey, Aaron, I have a friend who lost a baby. What should I send them? Like, <laughs> what, yeah. what should I do? You know? And I think those care packages are great because it's just, it's nice to know that you're being thought of, but it's just a really non-threatening way to be mm-hmm. out to. In a yeah. And they, they always seem, I mean, obviously the, like this is the Lord and his timing, timing, but they always seem to come on the perfect day. Even like we've had situations where, you know, somebody gets us a name and we kind of get busy or, or it, um, maybe I forgot to tell Amanda about the family um, that I just got contacted by. Oh gosh, it's been two weeks. You know, Tracy, you dropped the ball and she puts it together, sends it out. And the day they receive it was the day they needed it. You know, yeah. so I could yeah. beat myself up and be like, oh my gosh, I forgot to tell her for X amount of days, but that was not by mistake, you know? So that so, actually, that's a great point. And that leads me to my next question. So obviously that's the hand of God. Like you, I know you, so I know well enough that we, we both know who's orchestrating all of that, you know, who's in the midst of everything that you're doing and that really you're just trying to be his hands and feet. But how would you call Emma's Footprints a Christian organization? We don't label ourselves as that for various reasons. 
I know if you will walk through the doors of our, of our office or you enter into a conversation with our people, you will quickly find out that Jesus is at the center of it all. It's such a, um, a heavy mission in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we're on the front lines of just even starting that conversation yep. um, in our society. Pregnancy and infant loss has been so taboo and not talked about. So putting that, just putting that out into the public is hard. Jesus's heart, he, he's not a showboat. You know, yeah. if you come through our doors and you utilize our services and you hang out with us, you will quickly find out that he's the reason for all of it. Yeah. Yep. Now that we've talked a little bit about the organization, what you do, what your mission is, how did it all start? I'll tell you how it started. And then like it, it took a break and then how the organization started. My husband and I were, were pregnant with our second child. Um, we had a little guy, Jackson at home, who was 16 months, have been blessed with amazingly easy pregnancies. And my second was going along just as my first, super easy. And it was Memorial Day weekend of 2007. And I remember being out in the yard and we were doing like some yard work and I came in to wash my hands. And it's funny when you have these moments in your life where you don't know what's happening at the time, but you can kind of look back and reflect and pinpoint what is maybe going on. But I remember washing my hands, looking out my window is right in front of my kitchen sink, pausing for a minute and just getting this feeling and I mean, continue to wash my hands, you know, like the day went on. And I remember sitting down that night, it was a Sunday and thinking, oh, you know, I haven't, uh, I haven't felt the baby moving a little bit. Okay. But you know, Trace, you're so busy, you know, you're chasing around a toddler, you're doing yard work, you're eight months pregnant, just, you know, go to bed. And then Monday all day, I'm like, oh, hmm, when's the last time I felt the baby move and go through Monday thinking same thing, Tuesday morning and Monday was Memorial day. I remember going to a picnic at the point, Erin, mm-hmm. uh, with our friends, the Bookhammers for Memorial Day. So get up Tuesday morning. I'm like, okay, I think I should call the doctor. My husband was at work and I, I called my neighbor. Cause, oh, cause I, I said, Hey, I haven't felt the baby move in a little bit. I'm like, get in here. I'm like, okay, I'll be up. Not one time in any of, of those moments. I, I never knew anybody that like lost the baby. I didn't know that was a, a thing or I maybe would have taken it and more worried more you know, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. taking it more seriously. Um, so, so I remember thinking, okay, I'll be up. You know, I have a toddler. I got to get ready. You know, I got to call my neighbor. So she brought me up to the office and they brought me into the Doppler thing. When you hear the Doppler, what, you hear your own heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't know that. I mean, you know, <laughs> they should, there's two heartbeats. Um, <laughs> so th- nobody told me anything. They were just running around the office like crazy. You, you need to go to the hospital. I'm like, Okay. I mean, and again, never did the thought something was wrong with the baby pop into my head. At that point, I was like, I should maybe call my husband because they seem to be concerned about something. So called him, called my mom because she works in the the medical field. You know, she's one of my people. So I'm like, hey, um, I'm headed to the hospital. I think something might be wrong. Can you can you meet me there? My neighbor drives me to the hospital, you know, go up to the to the floor, get checked in. I get into the gown, get into the bed doing this all by myself, first of all, the OB comes in, does the sonogram and by myself in my, in the bed, he looks at me and tells me, I'm so sorry, there's no heartbeat. And it was just like, wait, what? Mm, Yeah. Um, no, like, what did you just say? And it it was like a movie scene because it, 
after he delivered that news to me, Brian, my husband, and my mom came like running in the room. From that moment, everything flipped upside down. Couldn't understand what was happening, what was being said. Um, Mm -hmm. And we did not know if we were having a little boy or girl. And, you know, then it's like the, the conversations that happen after that are unfathomable do you want to bury? Do you want to cremate? Do you want to take mm-hmm. pictures? Do you want to, you know, all of this like fire hose of information? What funeral home are you going to choose? Like, funeral home for what? <laughs> There's a crib in my, yeah. I've got a crib waiting like, for this baby. Um, yeah. Right. You know, and uh, then it's like, well, okay. Um, you, you know, you could, I mean, I didn't even have an overnight bag. I had my purse. I was not prepared to deliver my child you know, the doctor's like, well, you can, you can go home and, you know, take some time. And I mean, what kind of question is that? My baby is dead. You want me to go home knowing that and do what? So I remember my husband, he's like, absolutely not. No. And then the the realization of, I have to deliver my child. Oh my gosh. You know, I mean, that, yeah. that comes later. Of, Oh, this doesn't just magically go away. Like yeah. I, I have to go through labor and I have to do all the things. Okay. You know, I've, I've had a, a live baby. So I know what that, what that feels like. And I know what that sounds like. And I know how to do that, but to deliver um, a dead baby, I don't know how to do that. Um, because then, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm 33 weeks, I'm eight months, you know, my body's not ready. So it's kind of blurry, you know, and we delivered, I delivered Emma in the early morning hours, got my news of my little girl. I wanted a girl. So Brian, you know, got to see her come out. That's how this whole journey started. <laughs> so May 30th, 2007 is, is her birthday. So from 2007 to 2012, on her birthday, you got your 501c3 paperwork. It was on her seventh birthday. Oh, okay. So seven years. I remember it just being such a significant number. I remember being like, whoa, that's crazy. It takes a lot of time for that paperwork to go through to get your 501c3. But you didn't immediately just start Emma's Footprints. What happened in those seven years? Yeah. So for the first five, I lived in the the dark wilderness of grief. Um, First five? You know, yeah. Okay. And I met you. Well, I mean, we went to school together, but we really spent time together for the first time. Gosh, what was it? 2000, 2008. I think it was shortly after Mm. it happened. You and I, I was home. Jeff was deployed. I went home to uh, my parents' house seven months. We had gone to high school together, but you were really three years behind me or something. Um, So we didn't really spend a ton of time together in high school, but that was really our first time that our networks kind of combined and I got to spend some time with you that summer. What would that have been? So 2007 was your loss. Okay. So it would have been the next year. And I remember hearing about it and you talked a little bit about it, but you weren't talking a lot about it at that point. You were, you were just sharing enough to like, I knew you were in still in a tremendous amount of pain because she was your girl. Yeah. And not knowing how to um, put words to any of it. People not entering into that conversation with me just felt so alone felt I remember thinking like this is my life you know like okay god I mean this is this is how the rest of my life is going to be my heart is in a million pieces and like I don't know if I can do this because I was 24 when I lost her so that's a young pup 
<laughs> you know, our, and I was in our first year of marriage. Yeah. I'm like, so this is what I have to do. I don't really know if I want to do this anymore. Like this is, it's too much to bear. It hurts too much. I don't know how to do this. So that happened for a couple of years. And then I met a friend that had moved into town. She was a, the co-manager at the limited in the mall. I would wander the mall because I was so sad. And she, it was nice because I didn't know her. She didn't know me, my backstory. And, and she was kind of lonely herself moving to a new city. So I was the, the, the sad grief lady that would just like <laughs> wander the mall and, and come into the limited. Oh, a, was like, hey, right. I'm like, hey, sad grief lady. Come on in. <laughs> she, I remember it's like, do you want to come do floor sets at the mall? I'm like, uh-huh. So she asked me, then I started working part-time at the limited. And her husband was the president of the Northwest chapter of the March of Dimes. And so they were looking to like raise, get more family teams. Uh, you know, for Chris the was the president of it? Yeah. I did not know that. Okay. Yep. And he had asked Kristen, his wife, hey, do you think you can get the limited ladies together? Like we need more family teams. She was like, well, they're college girls. They don't care about babies. You know, they're trying not to have babies. The March of Dimes mission is not close to them. She told me later she was really scared to ask me, but she said, do you think we could start a team for Emma? That is the moment it ignited. Mm-hmm. Um, my heart was like, what? You know, nobody ever said her name to me. And here this person was asking, it sounds so simple and silly, but what that meant to me, something started to wake up inside of me. And <laughs> I was just as giddy and happy as could be. I got to go out and, and tell my story and talk about my daughter and mm-hmm. share her with people. But first it was like, well, it's been, you know, the enemy like whispering to me, well, it's been five years. Nobody cares. Who cares? Nobody cares. Nobody's going to care. But when I kind of faced my fear and got to go out and talk to people, they were just so supportive, so encouraging. So we, we did that for a little bit. I was 100% happy. I, I was like, this is, I am good. This is great. I'm, this is what I needed. So from a distance, I'm, I'm watching this like over Facebook from a distance and I, I know Tracy a little bit, but I'm kind of, wa- I think we did Bible studies together. You and Kristen yes. and I did Bible studies together while I was there. You would yep. have been new, relatively new friends, I guess at the time. Mm-hmm. And then I, I go back about my military life far away and I'm watching them do these fundraisers and it's, tra- you have to know Tracy is, she might be the friendliest person that you've ever, I mean, obviously you can probably tell just from listening to her, but she's just super friendly and she has a huge network and everybody loves her. And so it was just so fun because she would have these fundraisers in Edinburgh and like the whole town would show up to support March of Dimes, but really Tracy, they were there to support Tracy. And so just watching them raise these crazy amounts of money for this organization was really fun. But there was a part of me that was kind of like, huh, March of Dimes, because it was like their mission is like premature babies, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you did that for a long time. And then I remember I don't at some point in there, I guess right when you started that. So 2012, around that time, shortly or shortly thereafter, is when I lost Lydia. And I had been writing about my loss on my blog. And um y'all were super supportive. And when I went home for the memorial, you were there. Tracy showed up on my front porch. <laughs> And she just listened to me. And I just remember swinging and she she was really just trying to make sure that I was okay. I love that swing. (laughs) 
Yeah, my parents' porch swing. She was just there to, I think, make sure that I was okay. And I, I really was okay. But it really meant a ton just to have somebody sitting beside me that that knew. Although I remember feeling like, like I, what I went through is like nothing like what you went through. And I remember you being like, oh, what I went through is nothing like what you went through. <laughs> it's so much harder what you did. Um, and obviously there's no comparing. But I was shortly after that. And I remember you calling me up and going, hey, you have a small business. How do I start a nonprofit? <laughs> <laughs> do you remember that? Oh, yeah. I, I was sitting in my closet. Yep. I know exactly where I was sitting. I, know. I was like, I have an Etsy shop with a business license, but <laughs> I, mean, I can get you connected that's, to somebody. <laughs> I think that's why it's so hilarious because, yeah. you know, I was so good doing what I was doing, even though it, yeah, their mission doesn't really have anything to do with what I went through, but it just gave me a purpose. And I, um, as we did it, I just felt God tugging on my heart. Like there's more, there's more. I'm like, but no, I'm good, but I don't need more. And after Emma, we had two more little boys, um, Caleb in 2009 and Bennett in 2011. So I had three little guys at home. I was busiest stay at home mom, you know, doing little fundraisers for the March times. I was set and I was like, God, no, I told him no a couple of times. You know how that <laughs> works out when you do that. Yeah. I mean, calling Aaron, you know, Googling, how do you start a nonprofit? I'm like, what does that mean? What? No way. Just, you know, it's not like, oh, when I was a little girl, I dreamed about starting a nonprofit and I went to school for it. So I knew what to do. I mean, every step of the way has been uh, so here's a lot of fighting. <laughs> even that, the, the other part of that conversation that's really fun, this is where um, I really get excited about like God's stories and how he interweaves lives and life stories to fulfill his purposes. Like none of us can do what we do without being touched by other people in the kingdom. And I remember with Lydia, Lydia was diagnosed with, well, they believed that she had Turner syndrome. So that was around 10 weeks. And I carried her knowing that she was possibly going to pass. But when I got that diagnosis in my head, like I remembered this girl in my life who had had that same diagnosis for her baby before. Like I couldn't remember when, but I just remember like I made her a blanket and I prayed for her and she was actually, oh my gosh, this story is too long because this, this, and since this is not about me, I'm not going to go too far into it. But anyway, this woman actually lost her baby to Turner syndrome, carried her for 24 weeks. I lost my baby at 24 weeks to Turner syndrome on the same day, three years later, August 15th, 15. three years apart. Yeah. And she literally, like she, I called her when I went into the hospital. So she had like this whole story and she answered all these questions for me. It's so, like where you went through this, your thing alone. Like I had this other woman who had lived almost the exact parallel story. One of the things that was different was that I remember she had been grieving. Like she grieved, she was still grieving every day. She was still crying mm -hmm. three years later. And I remember as I was hearing her story, cause I wasn't sure I wanted to hear her story. I knew I was living my own. I remember thinking like, Lord, do not, please don't let that be my story. Like, I don't mm -hmm. want, I don't want to be sad forever. Let me, I want to be, I want to be healed and I want to be whole. But because we had gone, because she had gone through it, I was in a hospital in Rhode Island when they're asking me these questions. Like, I, mm. And I could call Amy and be like, Amy, how do I get my baby to Edinburgh? Like your baby is in, in Edinburgh, buried in Edinburgh. How do I get my baby from, because the, the hospital didn't even know. They didn't have the answers to these questions. Like this is a completely right. like, 
I don't know. It was just so great to have somebody that I could talk to about that. But Amy's situation was also different in that she was, um, she didn't have the finances that we had to be able to do the things that we could do right off the bat. And so I remember her talking a lot about like the burial expenses and, and there were these resources that she found that were helpful to her. So when you called and you said, how do I start a nonprofit? And I was in my head, in the back of my head, I was kind of like, well, it's about time that like, <laughs> like raise money for like your own mission lady. And, um, <laughs> but I remember thinking, yep. well, what, what I, I wanted to know, like, what are you going to do? Like, what are you going to do with it? What, I mean, when you make the, when you raise money, what are you going to do with the funds? And I, you were at the uh-huh. time you were like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I was like, I have an idea. (laughs) And so we were just talking about that. Like, obviously you were healed and you were whole, like by this time. And I want to talk more about this in a little bit, but your relationship with God had grown. I think at that point, you were really, really discovering who he is and who he is in the midst of these hard things and what redemption looks like and healing looks like. And I remember thinking like, man, it would be just so great if you could just meet them where they're at with these financial needs mm-hmm. that none of them were expecting. You, when you are going in to get an ultrasound, you are not expecting to be preparing a burial site. Like that's just not in your, that's not, yeah, you're not you, you haven't, up for that. Yeah, mm-hmm. you haven't gotten insurance for your, like there's none of this stuff has been um, a, even a thought in your head. And so to be able to be a place or someplace that somebody can go and go, we've thought about all this because like, we've been through it. And so we would like to serve you in that way. Like you did, you had been going to another organization's like group, um, therapy group, or yeah. group, yeah, support groups. And you were talking about how, um, you would go every week and people were telling the same stories and were in the same place week after week after week and how you desired to be able to provide that kind of a thing, but where there was messages of hope being given. I look at where you are now and you're the, you are the network. You are the place where everybody, everybody knows there's a network of people who have been through it. There's a network of people, not only that have been through it, but I know that if I send them there, they're going to have access to, maybe they won't use it, but they're going to have access to messages of hope, but also to the, just the basic needs that they weren't prepared to need. Between your support groups that you now offer, I remember that being just a huge stepping stone in your you know, when you were able to create those support groups for those moms, but also care mom, care team moms that mm-hmm. I know every so often I still get a text from Amanda asking me if I'll take a family and not a lot is required just to be available to send texts and check in and how are you and thinking about you and all of that just is, it's a really neat, it's a really phenomenal organization that y'all have set up. And so anxious to find out when y'all go national <laughs> yep that's uh do you want to take a guess because um yeah I feel like that's gonna happen and and like you said the financial aspect we'd love to be able to I I held the bat phone we call it the bat phone it's our it's our Emma phone like the Emma phone yeah. number yeah so, you know she has her own phone uh so when the bat phone rings it's usually not a good story sometimes people want to give us money that's rare but uh, normally it's a family calling but to be to be on that phone call and to be able to tell that family Yes. The bill has been paid, you know, I mean, it's like what Jesus offers us, you know, the bill has been paid in full, you know, and just the emotion that comes from the other side, they're like, what, but you don't know me, but why would you do this? But, you know, I mean, they just can't wrap their minds around it. Um, 
and we and we love that we love that moment but yeah it's it's the walking beside them on their grief journey that is that's the messy part that's the you know climbing in the trenches like we are here we're here for the long haul and you, know, you mentioned support group yeah to sit in support group every month i i get so emotional because the the family that has been created these women and and men men are the dads are allowed to come. We might scare them a little bit being you know, a big group of women, but watching them connect with each other, it just makes my heart just burst. And, you know, there's women every new women every month and stories are like, I had a, a 15 week loss 12 days ago. And you're sitting like, I didn't have that. <laughs> took me you know, years. I yeah. didn't have that. And, and, and basically you, you, you have, you're just experienced your loss and here you are in this community. That's going to love you. Um, you know, why, what is that like? Talk to us about like what it's like to be living out your calling. Not even in this case, it's almost like you're living out Emma's calling, right? Like you're living out Emma's purpose here to some extent, or I'm sure that's what it feels like, but what's it like to live out your calling and to see, to know God is using you in the midst of this story. It is equally as exciting as it is terrifying um, because I feel so ill-equipped to do this. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, I feel like I'm Gideon or something. Lord, I am not the mighty warrior. Why are you, what are you looking at me like that for? This is, that's not, I will hide in the cave. Like I'll be, you know, any, anything else other than what you are looking at me, wanting me to do. Um, You know, it's just, it's such an honor to be Emma's mom. The, the privilege that I got to carry her and know her for eight months. And now I get to, you know, because of her offer that, that hope, um, you know, and that light in, in such a dark time, it's, it's the mountaintops and it's the valleys. It's exhilarating and it's exhausting. I have to spend that time with, with the Lord. And like, you know, sometimes I'm like, I can't do this. I quit. This is too much. You know, <laughs> what are um, some of the things that like he's had to break off of you? everybody who's growing in their relationship with Christ or um, walking with him or following him. It's the entire process is a refining process. And there's things that he's, he puts us through these fires. You know, we come out of the fire and we know that that really needed to be burned off and you walk a little bit freer after it's terrible when you experience it, but, and you don't need to go into a ton of detail about them, but I'm just wondering if you can name like a few things that you're like, these, these are the things that God has refined in me. I know for a fact I'm changed because I've chosen to follow him. Yeah. I, I got a lot of them. Um, <laughs> one of them is people pleasing. Mm-hmm. I'm a recovering people pleaser. A couple months ago, I mean, this has been a process in my heart, but he, he told me people pleasing is not peacemaking. Mm. Like, oh, oh, that's mm-hmm. good. Okay, yep. That's, you know, be- before I was like, oh, if I just do what people tell me to do, they will, they will like me. And, you know, it's I'm peacekeeping. I'm, he calls us to be peacemakers, not peacekeepers. Right? Yes, exactly. A recent lesson so for me as well. I have that written in my journal where Tracy, your people pleasing is not the, the peacemaker you're called to be. And, and then wrestling with that. I became codependent after my grief. And it's funny, our, our licensed clinical social worker that we refer to, that we pay for sessions here in Erie, who is created for this, she would say, Tracy, there's this book called Codependent No More. I think you should read it. I'm not codependent. <laughs> Pam Pressler, you crazy, you know? And she kept like, 
subtly, you know, I'm like, fine, I'll just read it and see what it's about so I can tell other people the <laughs> tendency. And reading it, I'm like, oh, wow, that's me. Yeah, okay. So because of my grief and my just being, you know, dead inside, I let others make decisions for me. It kind of ties into the people-pleasing thing, mm-hmm. but... Um, but God used being... even that though, right? God uses those broken parts of us. Would Emma's footprints even be here if there hadn't been some amount of that in your life at that time? Is that, yeah, I no, mean... not at all. Because people that he brought in to, you know, help me start the organization, the people that he brought around, you know, my, my people pleasing codependency, like let them do it. But then at some point, you know, God, like I, but I called you to and lead the organization. Done. Mm-hmm. And now, yep, those people are great and you've given them, you know, reins and, but now it's you, you have to lead them now. Mm-hmm. Like, no, but I'm, I'm a really great number two girl. Like <laughs> I'm a really great helper. <laughs> um, can I just stay there? He's like, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> no. The traits he gives us, the way he creates us, you know, and knits us together from, from the grief um, affecting that to, you know, other just life things that happen um, that kind of muddy those waters and, and blur those lines that we let happen consciously or unconsciously that he has to, you know, prune and refine in us. Like I played, I played sports growing up, Aaron, you know that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's given lots me this of them and very well, lots of them all, all the time. Give me the sports. I want to be, I think she's in like guard. every hall of fame for every sport. They no, have in our high school. no, just, <laughs> But I'm like, God, why did you give me this competitive spirit? Mm -hmm. Give me a ball. Give me a court. Give me a glove. Give me a field. I know what I'm doing out there. I am confident in that. And I'm competitive out there. But it didn't go further after high school. So I've always questioned, why did you give me this competitive spirit? And now I, I understand being in a marriage when you've lost a child, wants to take you down and wants to destroy your marriage, mm-hmm. starting a nonprofit, you know, all of these big battlefields. If I didn't have that competitive spirit, <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I will would, win this. I'm going to keep it you know, and I'm going to grieve. Yeah. You know, when yep. it's like, this is too hard. I can't be married, to, you know, just with all of the things should it, we shouldn't be married today. You know, if, if mm-hmm. the spirit was not in me, cause I'm like, well, I'm not going to give up on this. God. I believe what your word says, you know, and I'm going to fight for this. Even at times I've had to fight for the organization when things were trying to take it down. Humans are being humans and things are happening and burning around you. And I'm like, okay, give me that black stuff that I put under my eyeballs. And <laughs> hold my let earrings. Do this. <laughs> oh, yeah, hold my earrings. Let's go. You know, and if I have to carry this on my back, then God, you built me to do that. And I felt like when he spoke that, of like, this is why I, I created you like that. Oh, okay, I get it. So I guess mm. I just need to buckle up. <laughs> that's good. That's yeah, exciting. that's yeah. very cool. That's so cool. Hearing how you tie so, that into like those things that seem like kind of normal everyday things, that competitive spirit and how you tie that into what God's called you to do is really cool to hear. And how I used it the wrong way before, you know, I thought, well, I know what I'm doing on the court. Give me the ball, get out of my right. way. I'm going to score. I wasn't a very good leader then just how he has to break you apart and put you back together like how he created us that workmanship what was your relationship with god like before the whole before you even lost emma i've always believed in god it's all made sense to me 
always. God, Jesus, Holy Spirit. Um, it makes sense. You'll have to teach me then. Yeah, that's Still great. That you've got it all down. <laughs> it's, Jesus, it's, God, it's Holy Spirit has me baffled. Check. <laughs> <laughs> like I've never questioned or doubted. Like, yeah, what, I know. But three mm-hmm. people is what, you know, that's, that's always made sense to me. But yeah. I had, um, I never had suffering or struggle. You know, I grew up in an amazing house. My parents are still together. I had no trauma. I didn't know that side of him and that suffering. I knew him as, I believe you created me. None of the things I was concerned with or I questioned. Sometimes it takes that struggle, that the ashes to beauty thing to know that much more of him. He's so complex, but he's so simple. And it's weird to say that I, w- I would go through it all again, but I would just to know him that much more. Mm-hmm. And even in the last couple of years, realizing that he meets us in our grief. If you don't know him like that, you're missing out on mm-hmm. so much of who he is. And it just continues to deepen it. And that's my prayer is, Lord, I just, I want to know you more and more and more. I'm just scratching the surface of who you are. You know, I'm 37 years old and who knows how long his plan is for me here on this earth. But, you know, you don't get to choose what family you're born into. You don't get to choose um, your childhood. And I, I mean, I was gifted with an amazing, amazing childhood parents, you know, brothers, but to know God on a different level is. And there's the verse from First Peter, and I probably should look it up so I can quote it correctly. But you are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You rejoice in this, even though now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief and various trials so that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which though perishable is refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though not seeing him now, you believe in him and you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy because you're receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. That verse, I mean, for me, I know that with my loss, that was the thing that I came out with was like, I now know that I know that I know that I know God. I had this faith that was handed to me growing up that I, again, I'm like you, I didn't have a whole lot of trials or tribulations to have my faith tested, but that was definitely the first testing of my faith. And sure, as the word says, it is more valuable than gold. No, all these things that I've been taught and that I say, I believe, I now know. I believe. And there's nothing more valuable than that. That's the thing that's like, I now know that I can go through any trial and I believe that God is in the midst of it, that he will meet me there. And that that is enough. Like that he is enough. That's it. Every time. And then to have him use it for the glory of his kingdom Mm -hmm. so that many more may know is, I think my favorite thing that you said that I'll take from this and I'll chew on is you know, coming in, just trying to start Dive Collective and feeling so incapable. This can't be anything. If I'm the one required to do this thing, or if Annika or Kelly, if we're required to do anything, it will be nothing. Like he has to be in it. He has to do what he's going to do, or it's for no purpose at all. And um, I just love the part where you were talking about your incapabilities and your weaknesses and all of those things that make us incapable are the things he uses those things that he hasn't burned off of us yet until he burns them off. And then we're done, you know, like that just trusting in him that all of the things that 
that I think make me not ready, he can still use. Like that's just a huge encouragement as I go, as we go to work, walk in our callings. That's really. And just, it's like, just when you think, okay, I got it figured out, <laughs> you know, I mean, wow, Tracy. Wow. Okay. <laughs> you should know better than that. He lights the match that. and puts us on fire again. <laughs> yep. I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. So that's a whole nother area that you're going to yeah, clean up and refine. Um, but then I have to give myself that grace and that mercy that overflows of I'm, yeah. I'm going to screw it up. You know, I'm going to get it wrong. I'm going to go, I'm going to go a little bit ahead of him thinking I know what I'm doing. That's just part of the process, but he's not hard on me like that. Yes. And so I learned that too, when I would before beat myself up and start on the doubt train and never mind, I can't do this. And this is too hard. You know, I can't do this, but God, you're right here and you've gone before me and you, um, let me be yoked to you. You know, if I unyoke myself and take my eyes off of him, then it's crazy. And I love that because he asked me to be yoked to him, to keep my eyes on him. And he does the hard work. And what an amazing God that is. Mm-hmm. He doesn't just sit up there and like expect me to do these things and like, you know, demand me and here, I told you how to do this. You know, it's like, yeah, stay right with me. Stay with me. Yeah. Be still, I got this, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. <laughs> and what, what a precious gift that is. Mm. Um, and that's, that's the only way it works. And I love that. Awesome. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. To wrap up, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll have people all over the world that are going to be listening to this and they're going to know, they're going to want to know, okay, so you're telling me that I have pregnancy loss is what? One in four? One in four miscarriage, one in 100 stillbirth. Right. So every person yeah. that listens to this knows at least a hundred people, which means at least one of them has gone through a stillbirth and 25 of them have had miscarriages. So when people hear this, who are in Africa or who are in Italy or, you know, wherever they may be, they hear that there's this Emma's Footprints organization out there. You're not national yet. So that, I mean, we should talk about what does that, what does that mean to them? What do they have access to, or what can they do for their friends when they realize, oh, there's an organization out there that's prepared to help them. We can send a care package and um, get them connected you know, with a care I, team member probably too, right? Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Yep. And, and in my little mind, I'm like, it sounds like, oh, well, just a care package. What is that going to do? But it is so much to these women mm-hmm. to feel validated um, and part of a community and that somebody has gone before them and they don't feel so alone. And then God takes it from there. And yeah. so it's so powerful. We, we can send them anywhere yeah and then yeah the care the care team mom because of technology it's it's a great thing that we I we still have, have like this hope us. or dream that there'll be sort of a military yeah maybe a military chapter is what I'm thinking is because of Amy I knew how do you what do you do when you're stationed in Mississippi but home is mm-hmm. Pennsylvania and there's just sort of some unique circumstances and I'm sure you've experienced all of those already probably within your network but I think Having a group of people who are military who have gone through it would be just really phenomenal to be, because it's just a different, we live a different kind of life. We're away from family. We're away from networks. I just read an article the other day that I want to say 60 or 80 out of a hundred military people say that they have nobody that they could call in an emergency. Like wow. You move to a new place and you really, you ask your neighbor to be your emergency contact at school. You don't know them. You've never met them. Right. And you're like, Hey, I'm your new neighbor. These are my kids. Yeah. I promise they'll be good if you have to pick them up at the, you know, what do you, 
it's just this life that we live is crazy. I am not in any place to be starting a chapter of Emma's Footprints. However, I just think it would be awesome to have a military chapter. Oh, I agree. <laughs> so there you go. And, I mean, yeah. And that's, you know, that's, that's when I come back to of like, okay, God, I can't do that. I know I can't do that. Like really not an organization like ours in the whole country. I know. Um, you know, there's organizations that help with support that like we'll have support groups, you know, resources. But I just I think we're so unique in what we offer with the mm-hmm. financial assistance. Paying for counseling is such a game changer. People don't, you know, they're they're not getting help with that. You can't just pick any counselor. You gotta know what kind of counselor you're offering people and right. We do have a counselor. I mean, I prayed for Pam to come to us. I was like, God, if, yes. you know, if this is one thing that you oh, want us to cover. Yes, then that's the other thing. We can't go without you talking about that. When I called you and I said, we were thinking about starting Dive Collective. Do you remember what you told me? Remind me. You were like, whatever you need, pray oh, for it. Pray for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What it, what it, if you need this, pray for it. If you need a tax accountant, pray for it. If you need... Yeah. Whatever you need, pray for it. And I, it's true. Like as I've walked beside you and like heard your stories, I just, all the things that you have prayed and God has given you for simply asking. Can I share the story of how I met Pam? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah. Realizing, okay, we're going to pay for burial, cremation, counseling. Okay. Well, who's going to counsel our family? I don't know anybody. Uh, A friend at our church was going through some things and gave me the name of this lady and said, Hey, you, you should really talk to her. I mean, I, think she might be a great connection for you. Okay. So we scheduled to meet at Panera and, and we're talking, never met her before, never heard her name, just sharing my story with her, sharing Emma's story and telling her, you know, well, my husband, he does concrete and construction and uh, we lost Emma May of 2007. So I'm telling her, she's like, hold on a second. Wait, what did you say your husband's name was? Brian. Wait, oh, he does concrete. Uh-huh. When did you lose Emma? 2007. She's like, no, I'm like, yeah, uh-huh, yeah. So um, my husband was doing their concrete patio at the time no way. That, so that you went we to the hospital Emma, that we lost them. Yes. They had, they had moved to Erie a couple months before that from Columbus and they needed, they needed a concrete patio randomly find Brian. Okay. Randomly, not really. And so here she is. So she's like, we couldn't find him for a couple days. We thought he just like skipped out on us, you know? And, and then one of his, one of our, our workers came back, went to their house and, and told them what had happened. She's like, I told that worker, if, if his wife needs anything, you know, I'm like, Pam, I never got that message. I'm like, I never got that message. And then there we are. I go, I said, Pam, I have been praying for you. I've been praying for God to give me a counselor. She does work in co-parenting family crisis. And she has her own loss story. Their first child was a loss. And, and she, had, she had been praying at the same time to help women through that one day. And she was not doing that when I met her. She was praying to like help moms at the same time. Today, she is, she's changing lives for these moms and to be able to offer that. I have to remind myself of that when I'm like, oh gosh, yeah, what do I, I need this, Lord? You need, to, you need to figure this out because I don't know what we're going to do. And, and then just kind of wait. Now it's like, well, who's it going to be? Yeah. <laughs> who's the person? What's the connection? I mean, Lord, you are just such a great storyteller and you come up with these mm. mind blowing. Are you kidding me? Scenarios, <laughs> you know, these people that 
enter into our lives seemingly random that it's not. That's incredible. That is incredible. Right. <laughs> Those so, overlapping um, stories of his people. Mm. I just love them that he loves to do that. He loves to foreshadow that, you know, like meeting Amy three years before in my wildest dreams that I think that Turner syndrome was in my future. No, like that. He just intentionally, just to let you know that well, I have been well, here. there. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. I was there like in this story that you're living right now. Like mm-hmm. I was there three years ago preparing it. Yeah. I've got all of this covered. Yeah. Oh, he's such a good storyteller. I love that. Tracy, thank you so much. This is gold. Um, well, thanks for having have me. Have you done a podcast before? No. Yes. I'm Sweet. a rookie. Don't do any more. We're going to be like your Okay, great. It'll be fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're so glad that you came. Thanks so much, Tracy. If you enjoyed this story and are interested in joining an online community committed to studying and living out God's word together, discovering our God-given gifts, and living out our callings, you have found a home at Dive Collective. Visit divecollective.org for a free reading plan and our free dive guide where we share our version of how we do in-depth Bible studies. While you're there, sign up for an upcoming live interactive dive study and join us as we strive to discover how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Come and see.